0: Jurgen Klopp recently described clubs like Newcastle, Manchester City and Paris Saint-Germain as clubs with no ceiling. And he's right. There's no debate to be had on that point. They are entities owned by nation-states with enormous resources, regardless of any PIF-based spin that you hear. If they want to buy Neymar, Messi, Haaland or Dan Burn, then they can. Whether you think that's fair or not is up to you, and there are those who would say it's perfectly acceptable in the free market of football, and some Newcastle fans will tell you they deserve this success under the bleak grey years of Mike Ashley. They've been committed to the past. But whether you like it or not, the Magpies are coming, and they mean business. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. We've stretched our FFP boundaries to put together a top-tipping team. Betting expert Mark O'Hare is looking at his gold-plated laptop as we speak. Mark, Newcastle have, to their credit, put together a very good side. Eddie Howe is doing a fine job as manager. Yes. Yes. More detail on that, or is that just enough? Okay, that's all we have time for. <laughs> yeah
1: i've i've been I've been impressed. I, I remember back to the start of the season looking through all the preseason markets and and being slightly surprised to see Newcastle favored so heavily in the kind of uh, without the big six. Markets. um, I thought that was quite premature, really, to suggest that they were just suddenly going to transform into the best of the rest uh, quite breezily and sort of take the place of the likes of West Ham and Leicester and whoever else who are battling for the sort of top seven places. But at the moment, they absolutely have been probably one of the best of the rest and uh, they're doing it in. it's not uh, they're not sort of playing teams off the park, even if they did that to Everton midweek. But it's the way in which they've defended, which has really kind of stood out to me. I think they've got one of the best, if not the, the joint second best, defensive record in the division. Uh, they've already held Man United away pretty comfortably. They've held Man City at home. Probably should have held Liverpool away at Anfield as well. So um, they're a team who have obviously been very competitive, uh, putting up some some decent numbers. But um, I'm still still sort of watching them from afar and trying to work out how good they actually are. Um, and a lot of that is down to the players who are available or, or possibly not available. So at the minute, I've kind of been resting, resting in my sort of views on Newcastle because Sam maximan has been injured, John, uh, Alexander Isak's been missing or is now going to be absent for, for quite some time. And I normally want sort of two or three of those kind of key attacking components to be fit and available. But then you've got Miguel amoron suddenly playing his, his way into sort of the form of his life really and suddenly Ballon
0: d'Or Mickey <laughs> Elmer are on the way it's going
1: yeah and the finish against Everton was was exceptional yeah. really so um yeah they're a, they're a team I've not quite sort of got the right handle on just yet and I think this kind of game against Spurs at the weekend would be a really interesting um match just to see how far they've come because as we know Spurs at home tend to be one of the best if not uh you know certainly competing for the best honours of being the best team at home. Their, their home record is is superb. And they're coming off the back of that dreadful display at Old Trafford with a point to prove, you would say. Um, and obviously with one of the best forward lines available in European football. So if, if Newcastle can contain them away from home uh, and put in another sort of strong performance, then obviously you have to sort of reassess them and, and believe that they probably are the, the best of the rest of the season. I think top four suggestions are a bit beyond them uh, at least this season, potentially next year but they're obviously building something quite nicely there and there's a a massive unity around the club right now, Uh, they feel that they're being unfairly attacked because of the the regime in charge um, which I'm not going to comment on but uh, (laughs) You uh, were tempted though, weren't you? (laughs) You were really
0: tempted then uh, Look, Look, it's look, Jurgen Klopp came out and said what he said and there's been all of the fallout from that, but there there is no denying that they have now enormous resources and that they are effectively state owned now whether you agree with that or not that is it's basically true
1: yeah, and obviously very similar parallels with Manchester City. And it took City a couple of years before they were sort of in the, in the conversations for, for top four and beyond. So it might take Newcastle another year or two, but uh, I'm certain if they continue to be give, given the backing that they've got right now, then, yeah, they are going to be a force, not just in, in sort of domestic football, but on the continent too. So I guess that's exciting times if you're a Newcastle supporter. But uh, uh, I guess there is always that kind of uh, darker side if you look beyond the uh, the footballing side of things.
0: Big numbers are generally no problem for our trading and tipping genius Mark Stinchcombe Stinch Spurs against Newcastle as Mark says on Sunday. Tottenham were pretty awful at Old Trafford but as we've said a lot on this show this season there is a really big gap between the Tottenham at home and the Tottenham away.
2: Yeah, I think Tottenham at evens is an absolutely enormous price uh, and in my mind it's the my bet of the season in the Premier League so far. wow. Yeah, it's just, I think it's ridiculously big. Um, they were 8 to 15 Spurs when they d- played Newcastle in April at home and they beat them 5 1. Now, it's not to do with the scoreline, but 8 to 15. Now they're evens. Like, it's almost good that they lost Spurs uh, Wednesday night in a poor fashion because it may, just meant that this price is getting even bigger as a result of that. I just think that. You can't drift it that much. Like, okay, maybe Spurs 8 to 11 from 8 to 15. Like, how much do you, how much do you move at barge? Don't feel that you can move from 8 to 15 to evens is an enormous leap, especially when you consider there's no Isaac, there's no Sam Maximan, two of Newcastle's most influential attacking players. And the fact that Tottenham, you know, have won 11 of the last 12 home matches just shows that they do their best work at home. And if you look at Newcastle away versus the top half under Eddie Howe, now you know, I've, I've expanded the sample size to the top half from, from the, the big six, you know, Spurs are a top four team. It's played 12, 1-0, drawn five, lost seven, scored six, conceded 25. So six, yeah, they're not pulling up any trees away from home. You know, they're doing trying to do a containing job, which is no, which is no necessarily a bad thing. You know, they haven't got they haven't got an amazing team right now. They've got they've got a decent mid-table Premier League squad that is that is pushing a little bit more with some of their flairer players like Guimaraes and, and Trippier, and when they have Sam and Isaac available. And at the end of the day, this is Antonio Conte v Eddie Howe. I'm very much happy to lean on Antonio Conte being the better manager and, and a born winner, essentially. And the fantastic thing about this Spurs price is it means we can back Spurs minus a quarter on the exchange around about 1.86. So that means if it finishes in a draw, which Newcastle have drawn a few, as I mentioned, you'd still get half your stake back. So you've got so much security there. So yeah, this is, I think this is a fantastic bet at the price. You can talk all you like. Well, not you specifically, but people can talk all they like about how poor maybe Spurs have played in matches this season and how good Newcastle played in other games. But still, it all comes back to price. And I just think Spurs evens is, is massive.
0: I'm glad you clarified that. I thought it was being personally attacked there
2: on the show. Uh,
0: our very own trader, Emmett O'Keefe, is here with us. Emmett, Interesting what Stinch says there about the big gap between where Spurs were at for the last home game against Newcastle and where they're at now, because that would suggest that a Newcastle have got better, and yeah, we can see that, but also that Spurs have got worse, and the home results don't actually reflect that.
3: Yeah, I think it's just probably based off the xG numbers. Like uh, Newcastle actually have slightly better xG um, goal difference than Tottenham this year, and most of the like the Premier League matches now are kind of. That's kind of that's what's really factored into the price. Like I, I, I think it's interesting. I'd how to describe it as just a listener may, may may or may not be aware of this. That generally. If, if a team is equally rated by the market teams are equally rated the home team will be around 13 to 10 5 to 4 and then home advantage will count for about 0.3 of a goal and that's what kind of what, what swings in the home teams the home teams advantage so with Tottenham around kind of two point two point one ish here that says that the market is maybe rating, rating Tottenham as only a slightly better team than Newcastle and kind of over the first 11 games you can kind of see why that is but I, t- I, t- I tend to kind of agree with Mark's kind of point of view in that I feel like Newcastle are really maxing it yeah, I think is doing a brilliant job in the sense that like Jacob Mur- say Jacob Murphy and Sean Longstaff are part of the team at the moment like they're like borderline Premier League players and to kind of have ha- ha- to have Newcastle p- p- push, pushing as far, par- far as they have even like Fabian Schar it's kind of like it's a it, 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 does, it doesn't feel like kind of a state-owned kind of big budget big budget operation like it, it's kind of I well, think, mark's uh, right though isn't yeah. he? he
0: said about that mark hughes era at manchester city where they were kind of yeah they're okay players but they're not like amazing but that was the kind of the stage and then they built upon that didn't
3: they yeah i think it's probably kind of a slightly more um yeah, kind of a, 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 a kind of a more structured and kind of and, and more of a kind of a top down vision with Dan Ashworth there, in the sense that like uh, obviously City would have signed Robinho and Alano, who are kind of. Who kind of didn't really want to be there and were kind of playing like gods for Brazil and then coming back and not really playing for Man City. Whereas I think I think I think S is close to the best midfielder in the Premier League. The Jamie Carragher was kind of outlining his numbers on Monday Night Football. That and, and the kind of salient point that Carragher made is he's not a holding midfielder. He's not an attacking midfielder. He's a midfielder who does everything. Which there are very few of those players anymore. I think that's so. The interesting thing is that I think Newcastle. If you just look through the team, there's as I said, there's kind of there are players there who you think are totally out of place being tops. Six, but they're being dragged by the kind of the the star quality of players like 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 S. But I, I just I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be quite as bullish on Spurs as Mark, but I would definitely lean towards them
0: at the, the prices. I think Newcastle, put it this way, Newcastle couldn't be shorter than they are. I feel like. And before Newcastle fans write in, I agree with you, it was horrible under Mike Ashley. I don't begrudge you some joy, but there is no doubt that you now have tons and tons of money, and we know why. This football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder, easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. Ts and C's in the description eighteen plus see gambleaware.org. To Villa Park and Aston Villa against Brentford. We are recording this before Villa's trip to Fulham. So for all we know, Villa boss Stephen Gerrard might have been fired into the sun by now. Uh, Mark, what attracted you to this fixture, apart from the fact that Villa seemed way too short at 2.1?
1: Yeah, I I was going to say I have a feeling that uh, all four of us might be on the same page here in terms of the... The way to attack this, or at least uh, looking at the market, which suggests for Aston Villa are by well, not by far, but are the stronger suit of the two teams, and that's an opinion I, I just can't agree with. Right now, the market's had a bit of a love affair with Aston Villa for for a long time now. Um, clearly, on paper, they've got probably the better. Squad, better individuals, the bigger budget and and obviously are a significantly bigger club than Brentford. But if you take out the bias of that and you look at purely sort of results and, and performances, Brentford have been much, much better than Aston Villa. But not just this season, going back to last season as well. So um, I know Villa played well without reward against Chelsea last weekend. They competed pretty well against Manchester City earlier in the campaign. But it seems like their best efforts have come when they've been... You know, going off as big outside as at Villa Park, whereas in the matches that they're expected to be competitive and pick up strong and positive performances in, they've, they've massively underwhelmed and they've scored multiple goals just once this season. That was against Everton. They've won once in eight. They've won twice in 14 going further back. Um, only Wolves have scored fewer goals and you're just kind of struggling to work out what impact Steven Gerrard has really had to, to make Aston Villa worthy of being even money favourites for this match. Uh, if you look at his record, he's now taken charge of 37 Premier League games prior to the Fulham match. They've lost 17 of those and it's only six wins in 19 at Villa Park. So, you know, he's hardly made them into a you know, formidable team or, or turned Villa Park into a bit of a fortress either. And the underlying numbers suggest the results haven't been quite as bad. Uh, probably hence why the market is giving them a bit more appreciation than, than we probably will do. But even still, Brentford are above Villa in terms of the expected points table, the expected goals rankings. Um, so... Yeah, I I just can't agree with that price and I can't agree with the assumption that Villa are the stronger suit coming into this match. And and that's why it's quite an easy uh, opposing of Aston Villa coming into this game and back in Brentford plus a half at 1.86 on the Asian Handicap fresh from holding Chelsea uh, at home with a, a very strong display where they're probably the better team, created the better opportunities. They've got the rest advantage as well, which I think can be quite key in these kind of relentless schedules as well, which we're becoming accustomed to. So, um, yeah, just quite happy to back Brentford to, to avoid defeat here. Um, I still don't rate Aston Villa. And and even if Gerrard was to go before the game, um, they're not going to have a replacement in yeah, anytime soon. So uh, still quite happy to to be in the, the bees camp for this match.
0: Yeah, Emmett. It's, it's going to seem like a strange thing for the timeline, this, but I was preparing to commentate on Villa's game against Fulham on Thursday, um, and the the stats are really quite remarkable. I mean, you know, Mark's outlined some of them there. They don't look that solid defensively, and going forwards, it's horrendous. Really, considering the quality of player they have, they're just really dull. That's it. I think. I think. The biggest change in kind of football in the last decade
3: is, I think, say in the kind of the mid two thousands, where the kind of Benitez, Mourinho were at the top of the European game. The the kind of team structures were all was built around defence, and it was just like we'll we'll buy attacking players, attacking players will create for us, and it was. But I think that this in the last decade. A decade plus. There's been a huge efforts made in terms of teams improving their attacking structure, kind of yeah. having choreographed attacking moves. And if we're not seeing that from Aston did they look a team that kind of as as can Carragher again? It's like it's like Jared is kind of going back to the kind of Hulier Benitez play, playbook we played under. I'll kind of I'll have a defense it They'll make us hard to beat. And attacking players, you go do something because just they're unbelievably dull in possession. They have they, they, there's no kind of doesn't seem to be any plan and it's it's all very very off the cuff as you mentioned they've set seven seven league goals they've scored three goals from open play three this season like i don't think
0: anybody's got more than one goal have they any individual player
3: yeah like I I think there's there are I think there are issues in terms of the fit, as in, in terms of like I think ideally you probably would want only one of Coutinho or Bandia you probably would want probably another wide player instead to kind of, as not her to kind of Leon Bailey but like that's not but but, but that's kind of I think that's kind of splitting hairs. Ultimately, the, the, with, with the players they have, I, I think I think under a different manager, Ollie Watkins can be one of the best, maybe ten strikers in the Premier League. I have a lot of fan, a lot of faith in his ability. I don't think Danny Yangs is as bad as he's I, 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 I kind of shown, shown under Gerrard as well. So. It'll it'll be interesting to see at the moment, as I can kind of mention the last podcast, Jared is kind of is around two to nine of the sack race, so the chances are he'll probably be gone in the kind of in the next week or so, and I and I will be intrigued to see how much the new manager kind of can improve Villa's attacking output before the weekend, as Marcus said, you I think you have to be pro Brentford here at the price. I think I I, when I was just pricing this up myself, and Brentford closer to kind of maybe a maybe around a two to one shot. So anything, yeah, Brent Brent laying Villa on the exchange at, at, at around one eighty five. Or kind of, um or backing backing Brentford on a bet at, at around at close around two point seven ish. I think all, all those are fair bets, here.
0: Yes, yeah, stinch. Such is the danger of recording podcasts. For all we know, Villa might have won seven nil at Craven Cottage uh, with seven different scorers, and they were magnificent, like vintage Brazil. But I doubt it. And it's a strange one, isn't it? Because Villa are ambitious. That's great. They have owners who are ambitious. They're willing to fund the club great they're kind of aiming for this kind of weird best of the rest thing kind of what Newcastle are trying to do as well but they look way off it at the moment how do they get there because you look at a team like Brentford they know what they're at they've got total faith in faith in the manager the players understand what they're being asked to do
2: yeah it sounds like it needs a new influx of fresh ideas essentially it's gone it's gone very stale and uh, it very
0: quickly seem... he's only been in charge a year
2: yeah, I mean, at least he got. At least he's had a year, and a lot of teams wouldn't wouldn't give you that long nowadays. So at least he's had a year. But you know, records like six wins in nineteen at home with with the Villa Park crowd is, it's it's just it's not good on paper considering the money that's been spent as well. Um, just thinking out loud. I I don't know if they they've tried it. I don't think so. But you know, I remember Coutinho at Liverpool playing in a in a diamond and and doing really well with Sterling, Gerrard himself. Sturridge Suarez and that's kind of similar player profile that Villa have got there. You've got, you know, um, Jacob Ramsey and McGinn that could play in the, the base of the diamond just to the sides. You could play Coutinho out to one side, maybe Buendia in behind Watkins and Ings. And, and you've got uh, Luca Dina, Matty Cash that can provide the width if they're allowed to get forward. So may, may, maybe the players are there and that, that could be an option. But um, yeah, it, it, a full house there. Uh, Brentford, Brentford double chance, four to five. Uh, the guys had covered everything really. I mean, in terms of Brentford, very impressed with their their start post Ericsson, Very concerned how how they would deal with his his departure, but really like the front three of uh, Visser, Tony, and Embuemo. Kind of evolved a little bit there, where they were playing mainly and and Tony together up front. And this season, they've they've got the three together, and uh, I really like, I really really like them as a three. I mean, Tony's occupying you know one or both centre backs, and it's allowing Bueno and, and Vissa to do their to do their work with knockdowns and, and winning second balls and and things like that. So really really impressed and yeah I just think just to just to round it off as you know we're only a month away now I think Tony has to go to the World Cup given his penalty prowess and 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 the additional squad places Uh, but I'm really looking forward to the day where the goalkeeper doesn't move and we have a Mexican standoff for for 10 minutes on the (laughs) the (laughs) Tobin, where he doesn't kick the ball at all but I don't know if that would ever happen but yeah you know he's just got he's just got confidence is absolutely oozing through him right now and I, I think those sorts of players given after Harry Kane nobody else is really standing out in terms of in terms of a striker and with that extra spot you've got to think that England have got to take at least three central strikers and maybe somebody like a Rashford that can play through the middle or out wide so I think Tony's Tony should really be one of those names. I couldn't agree more. Let's head to Serie A, shall we? Atalanta
0: and Adamola Lookman are doing superbly, Mark. They face Lazio this weekend. Are you surprised by how good Atalanta have been? I know you're a massive fan of Gasparini and what the club has done, but it felt like certainly last season they were declining a bit and there was a kind of natural regression, but they're back.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm very surprised because a lot of the old guarders is- has been moved on uh, some of it not intentionally at least and players have had to retire be sold and they've not made a huge amount of moves in the, in the transfer window so I was yeah I'm very surprised that they're Napoli's nearest challengers in Syria they're unbeaten through 10 games they've taken four points off Milan and Roma already and they're even more surprising they're both the second best defensive record in Syria this season um You know, Atalanta aren't the kind of team who you normally associate with keeping clean sheets, but they've done so five times already this season. They are overperforming, but I guess that might be just years and years of of negative variance actually sort of turning in their favour because if you remember they were always sort of towards the top end of all the sort of XG numbers that we quoted when they were in the running for the top four and never really sort of established themselves as as, as firm sort of title contenders despite the positive performances but yeah, it's a big game for them this weekend. They're playing Lazio uh, Atalanta around even money to, to win this match. I'd be quite happy to get involved in those prices. Um, curiously as well, Lazio have got the best defence in Italy this season. So we've got basically two teams. That's not behind. Sarri
0: Ball. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's not,
1: you know, Gasparini and Sari, Two teams and two coaches who you associate with, with high scoring end-to-end uh, expansive matches. Basically sort of put, putting together the two best defensive records so far this season. So... Um, but I think the the big thing coming into this match is about a player who won't be there, which is Giro Immobile, who is injured for Lazio. He is Mr Lazio, captain, leading goal scorer, penalty taker. He's the poster boy, really. And I think without him, Lazio do miss that focal point, um, as well as obviously his clinical edge. And without him, if you look at the sort of proposed 11 you're looking at Felipe Anderson possibly starting as a false nine with Pedro and Zorcano in, in, in a front three. And look, all three of them are very capable of producing magic, very capable of scoring goals and the necessary goods when required, but no, one, none of them offer the same sort of consistency or the reliability that Immobile brings as well as the leadership as well. And Lazio's record on the road at top teams under Sari hasn't been great. Uh, one win, three draws and five defeats in that time. And they're another team who have overperformed this season, but much, much more so than, than Atalanta so far. And in fact, Lazio are projecting as a as a mid-table team so far an expected point and expected goals. So, I think Atalanta are more than good enough to, to pick up the points at even money. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned um, Lukman. He's had a fantastic start to his career in, in Bergamo. There's a chance that Zapata comes back into the team here after injury. But uh, if he doesn't, yeah, Lookman is, is worth a look in, in certain markets. He's scored four goals and has an assist already. But the, another player I looked at as well who feels like he could be a little bit undervalued here is Cooper Myers, who to score Love or assist... Love that guy. Love that. Yeah. What player. And I think, he'll, I think
0: he'll play for Netherlands at the World Cup as well. Maybe not Hopefully. start every game, but he'll be useful squad member, I think.
1: Absolutely, and he's he's had a cracking season so far, and I, I think he's slightly undervalued here. 2.8 to score or assist. Um bit of a playmaker. He's contributed to five goals and 10 starts already this season. He's averaging 0.35 expected goals and expected assists per game. He's on penalties. He's on set pieces. He's a threat from distance as well. And obviously he's more than capable of slipping one of those four players through to, to score as well. So um, yeah, he's having a great year and uh, I expect Atalanta to put on a decent show here. As I say, they're unbeaten. They're even money to beat a Lazio team in missing Immobile, which I think is quite big.
0: Really exciting game in Serie A on Sunday. Roma, Face the leaders Napoli, Luciano Spalletti, returning to face his old club Stinch. This is going to be a belter, isn't it?
2: Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we've been we've been making a lot of money on Napoli, haven't we? This season, we've been on the motor weeks. Um really enjoyed the game against Bologna last week in terms of the, in terms of the result, um, went with Napoli to win and both teams to score and, you know, Bologna themselves got scored two goals and, and Napoli managed to come, come from behind and, and, and win. So that, w- that was good. Um, see, so yeah, I was looking at this game, Napoli priced up as 13 to 10 at the Olympico. I was wondering, is, is that too sure? Is, is our Roma being respected enough? Um, But I I just think I just think Napoli are this juggernaut that shouldn't be opposed right now and we should just keep backing them, um, backing them at most prices, really. I mean, they've won 12 or 14 games, they scored 42 goals and they conceded just 13, you know, so they're averaging three, three going forward and conceding just one. You know, that's that's you've got a two goal cushion there so like if something happens last week and they, and they do let one or two in they still got enough firepower to come back and, and get something out of the game I'm surprised Roma sit fourth and are just four points behind them but having seen some of the games and seen the results it, also in Europe as well it feels like they've been struggling this season I mean they've scored just the raw stats say they scored just 13 goals in, in 10 games and in two of the games, they've only played the two of the top six and they lost them both one nil the Atalanta and the four nil thumping the Udinese. I mean, looking a bit deeper there, the actual problem that they're, they're having is they're struggling in front of goal. They're, they're nearly 12 expected goals under their actual goals, which is something that generally shouldn't, shouldn't carry on. Um, although having, having said that, you know, Tammy Abraham, Pellegrini, Bellotti, Zanolio, have all have been products of that wastefulness. But whilst yeah, Tammy's not
0: been as sharp this season, has he, by the look of it?
2: No, I mean I, you before I thought it had have been, you know, a nap for the England squad. Now it's a little bit is he going to go? I think he probably will. I think he should. Um, but yeah, he's, he's not obviously not going to be in the best form, probably. I mean, he's still got a month to turn it around, of course. Um, but the, the issue with regarding the underperformance in front of goal, it's not something that should carry on, especially with this level of players. But something that the XG won't show is confidence. And I feel like yeah. these players are struggling massively, confidence-wise. I mean, Bellotti didn't get picked up until very late in the window. He'd been, you know, he announced ages before his contract Torino expired, that he was leaving. So I'm very surprised that no, nobody else took him, so I don't feel I as though that... I think he was waiting, waiting to, to be
0: fair to him, fair to him. I, I think, think he was, was waiting, waiting for Roma, because he was linked with a few clubs, and I think the feeling was that Roma had said to him, we can't do this until other moves happen with us, but we will come in for you when we've got the space to do it, and eventually they did. So I think there was an element of, of him rejecting other offers to wait to go there, but... It's a big step up for him because Roma's a massive football club. He's been kind of in his little bubble at Torino for years, hasn't he?
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think we've seen him at international level, maybe be showed up that perhaps not the the top, not I wouldn't say top class, but sort of at least top six, top four Serie A player. Um, and and he's now playing in a in a front two. And and to be fair, he's not first choice either. You know, the only reason he's playing is because Dybala, who is their top goal scorer with five of the 13 goals, is that injured, which Next is a massive
0: goal... problem for them, isn't it?
2: Yeah, the way massive they've problem. the way they've built the team is kind of Dybala is you know the number 10 or between the number 10 and the and the kind of false nine positions, kind of running the show a little bit. So I feel like they're a bit disjointed. And obviously, you know, generally a Jose Mourinho team. Is not a team that is gung ho and will outscore the opposition, whereas Napoli, I feel, are. So, given all of that and given the prices, I think I don't think you can really turn down Napoli draw no bet, around about one point eight two on the exchange. So, the only way the bet will lose is if Roma win. And uh, I know Emmett fancies this game as well, so intrigued to hear what what his his angle is.
0: Yeah, Emmett, similar angle in terms of a pro Napoli bet.
2: No, actually gone the other way, like
0: uh... ah. I just, yeah,
3: it is interesting though what Mark is saying about the kind of like the, the kind of the kind of pure the pure statistician purists would say that Roma is kind of underperforming their XG just isn't sustainable and eventually it'll regress to the mean but as we saw with a player like Timo Werner sometimes it doesn't sometimes like like the Chelsea fans screaming at you, get out of our club after <laughs> uh, after <laughs> uh, after you missed you. Yeah, but that, that, that is that's the human factor, isn't it? Like that there is kind of that that, that sometimes like the confidence means that means that you, you kind of you don't go into your you, you carry, you're carrying back baggage into your next chance, and it might only be that say if you move club and you change your environment, like Werner Gone to Leipzig for example, then that kind of we might kind of see that see that regression, and but. I still think it's still a kind of a small enough sample size at Roma, where I am prepared to, to, to bet that they will regress. Like they're expected goal difference at the best in Serie A. I, I never thought I'd be saying that about a kind of a Jose Jose Mourinho team. They have gone to like they obviously turn to the top four at the moment, but win, winning away, uh, winning away to Inter Milan was was earlier in the season w- was a pretty good effort, and just I kind of and not be as good as they are. Will always concede chances. I think we saw that against Blania last week, and just, I, I just just given how good Roma's numbers have been this year, I felt this match should be closer to Pickham in, in terms of the odds and Roma. You can get us kind of. Over 305 in the exchange, we know how kind of. I think unlike previous years, uh, under Mourinho, Rome are guaranteed sellout. Well, uh, guaranteed sellout. Now they will have a proper home advantage to the weekend, and like earlier in the season, when I think AC Milan and Rome are not are relatively similar level of teams, and when uh, Nap- Napoli went to AC Milan, they were quite lucky to win. Like Milan dominated that game, unexpected goals, and I, I, I could I could see this game. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm, in for, I'm I'm inevitably going to be in a game here where. Roma dominate the game. Probably rough up 1-0 and happy Nick it laid on. Just at the prices and given how good Roma's numbers have been this year, I'd, I'd side towards them, drawn no our bet at around 2.2 in the exchange. Though.
0: There you go. Never say that we don't bring you a range of views. Now, time for Mark My Words, our answer to Alan Partridge's youth hosteling with Chris Eubank. Uh, Mark gives us a European nap each weekend. This time, we're going to France.
1: Yeah, uh, I really like the look at goals when Troyes take on Lorient on Sunday. Lorient, the big surprise package. In France, this season, eight wins from 11, uh, just the one defeat, and they're only three points adrift of PSG, which is remarkable considering they started the season as relegation candidates according to the markets but they're playing in a really attractive manner very attack-minded when they turn possession over got a very young and fearless squad and they're playing football um with no fear really it's, it's fantastic to watch they've only failed to score uh once which was last weekend in a nil nil against Rams uh, eight of their previous ten coming into that game saw oversland uh, and eight of their previous ten also saw both teams to score back as collect so they've scored at least twice on eight occasions i expect them to score at least once against a twa team who have yet to keep a clean sheet uh, and they're 11 games are actually averaging 3.73 goals per game. Uh, a huge tally, seven of those 11 going over three and a half, and uh, nine of 11 seeing both teams scoring. Twa themselves have scored at least twice on six occasions. Uh, they definitely know where the back of the net is, particularly at home. So, I think both teams to score is a a cracking starting point, but we can just add in over two and a half goals and you're getting even money here, which uh, I think is a really appealing play here between two teams who will go at it, will go try and get forward and play proactive football, uh, but defensively too can be got at. Uh, If you look at their non-penalty expected goals figures, neither of which are sort of pulling up trees in that regard. And they're both averaging over eight and a half shots in the box uh, conceded per game, which is a, a very high total, particularly for Lorient considering their lofty position. So... If you look at the overs and BTTS, um, it's a play that's banked in 15 of their combined 22 games. That's 69%. We're getting even money here, uh, and 17 of those 22 have actually seen just both teams scoring. So over to enough goals and BTTS would be my best bet. But just a, another play which really sort of appealed to me too here, a smaller interest really. But Terra Moffi is injured here, so that's a, a bit of a blow for Lorient, obviously a bit of a blow for goals as well. He is their top goal scorer this season. He's missing, but Tango Utara has been uh, fantastic for them this season, 20-year-old uh, 20 20 year for Bikino Fasio. He's come through the youth system at Lorient and he's, uh, he's ripping it up, really. He's had eight goal involvements in 10 appearances this season, four goals and four assists. Uh, he's got a 0.6 expected goals plus expected assists average per 90 minutes, which is obviously very, very impressive. He's firing in at least two shots uh, in nine of his 10 games already this season, too. He's two to one to score or assist in this match, which I think is a a massive price. He's quite a way down the list of potential candidates here where, in my eyes, he should be towards the top. He's had a brilliant campaign. And I think without Moffy uh, up front, he could be taking on a much more kind of prominent role in the final third as well for Lorient too. So he's definitely one to watch.
0: Un jeu formidable, as the French might say. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of other shows to enjoy, like NFL Only Better, Cricket Only Better, a couple of racing shows as well, Racing Only Better and the Wade In podcast. And if politics is your thing, check out uh, our regular politics blog from uh, Paul Krishnamurti on betting.betfair.com. Hardest working man in the business at the moment, seeing as things change minute to minute, not just hour to hour or day to day. One of us might be Prime Minister by the next time uh, we record. From Mark, from Emmett, from Stinch and from me, it's goodbye for now.